Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It is 3 May. We're into May. It's uh, Sunday. Time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And let's see here. Before I say anything about prophecy or about anything that's going on in the world, we got a couple people that attend the Superior Word online. It's Tito and Jenny Barameda. They've been here. They visited from the Philippines and uh, either today or yesterday because, you know, there's a time difference. But it was their anniversary, so I want to wish them a really happy anniversary. Wonderful people, and uh, we'll hope that they can get back in fellowship with us again real soon. But uh, there you go. Our first category, as always, is Israel. And from the Times of Israel, the UN and EU officials, of course, warn new Israeli government against annexing the West Bank. Senior officials in the EU and UN warned Israel not to annex parts of the West Bank after Prime Minister Netanyahu and Blue and White Party leader Benny Gantz signed a coalition agreement saying the move could potentially go ahead as early as July. The EU foreign policy chief, Josep Borrell, issued a stark warning against the intention to annex parts of the West Bank, saying that such a move would constitute a serious violation of the law. Burrell said the 27-member bloc does not recognize Israeli sovereignty over the territory and that it will continue to closely monitor the situation and its broader implications and will act accordingly. The FM slammed Borrell over his statement. It's unfortunate that Joseph Borrell, who pretends to be responsible for the foreign relations of the European Union, chooses in this manner to welcome a new government of a central partner to the EU and prefers to see relations between Israel and the EU through the prism of the pandemic and the status of the territories. The ministry questioned Borrell's decision to issue the statement, saying he did so only after failing to gain backing for it from all EU states. We, yeah, we wonder which states the honorable gentleman is choosing to represent, the ministry said. Foreign Minister Israel Katz thanked EU states that refused to back Borrell's statement, but didn't name them. So there you go with that. From the Jerusalem Post, of course, France threatens Israel ties over settlement annexation. France threatened to change the nature of its ties with Israel, big whoop, should the nascent government annex parts of the West Bank. An ambassador to the UN, Nicolas de, can't even pronounce it, Rivieres or something, remarks to the Security Council. This guy, however you pronounce his name, said that annexation would constitute a blatant violation of international law, which strictly prohibits the acquisition by force of occupied territories. Such steps, if implemented, would not pass unchallenged and shall not be overlooked in our relationship with Israel. And then, from a different point of view, Arat Shiva says, Pompeo, annexation is an Israeli decision. U.S. Secretary of State Pompeo said the annexation of the West Bank was an Israeli decision. At a press briefing, Pompeo praised the newly formed unity government in Israel. We're happy a new government was formed. We don't think a fourth election would have been in Israel's best interest, but we'll leave that to them. We don't think it's in the world's best interest. We're glad there's now a fully formed government in Israel. As for annexation of the West Bank, and that is in question, by the way, the fully formed government still hasn't really come about 100%, and it may fall apart, but right now, 
we'll just say that it is formed. The Israelis will ultimately make those decisions. That's an Israeli decision, and we will work closely with them to share with them our views in a private setting. So you get a little support from the United States, a voice of reason in a sea of insanity out there. From Haaretz, good news. I've reported on this several times over the past winter, and here it is. The Sea of Galilee is completely full and empty. The Sea of Galilee is overflowing its banks. Meanwhile, even if last week's showers turns out to be the last rain of the season, the lake is full, which means as of writing that it's just six inches under the upper red line, the point at which facilities on the shore start to be flooded. Yet strolling along the shore, wearing a mask and gloves, of course, even stranger is the fact that with the lake full, there wasn't a soul in sight. Usually you'd have elbow, elbow for room to pitch a tent, but now the beaches are empty. So there you go with that. It's full, but it's empty. And yeah, from the Aljamainer, on its 72nd birthday, we try to report on this once a year, Israel is home to 9 million people, almost 7 million Jews. The CBS's Raft Statistics, which it annually publishes just before Israel's Independence Day, showed that Israel's at 72 is home to 9,190,000 people of the 6,806,000 are Jews, which is 74%, 1,930,000, which is 21% are Arabs and Druze, and the remainder belong to other communities and religions. The CBS also issued future projections. By 2030, the Israel population will be 11.1 million and 13.2 million by 2040. If the Lord comes first, that will not happen. On Israel's 100th birthday in 2048, there will be 15.2 million people living in the country. As I say quite often, Israel is not called on Jesus. They are brought back to the land to get them to do so, as Jesus himself said will happen. But Zechariah tells us that two-thirds of the population will be exterminated before that happens. And so their projections are not going to pan out if the Lord comes and we enter into the tribulation period. But that's a sad thing, and that's why we need to continue to evangelize the Jewish people. They're my last prayer every single night as a collective body that they will come to find their Lord. And it's exactly what our sermons over the past months and continuing today detail with. Right out of the book of Deuteronomy, you will see pictures of what is going on in Israel right now in human history. It's a rather astonishing thing to see. From Christian News, Breitbart, Cuban Christians share the word of God on coronavirus masks. Well, that sounds great. We got it all over America. It's a little different down there. Cuban Christians are using the need to wear sanitary masks in public to spread their faith. Printing Bible verses on the front of them, the Christian aid group World Help revealed Pastors were printing these messages despite the severe repression that Christians face in the communist country. Officially an atheist state, Cuba has allowed some Catholic activity after the Vatican began seeking closer relations to the Castro regime, but Protestants, dissident Catholics, and other Christian groups face regular threats and arrests on the part of the state security. We don't want to miss an opportunity to continue witnessing for the Lord. They ordered 1,000 face masks printed with Bible verses to wear and hand out. What an incredible witness. Their faith reminds us that even when everything seems to be going wrong, God is still at work and we can put our hope in him. And here we're scared to even say the name of Jesus and it doesn't even affect us in this country and people in another country could actually be imprisoned for it and they put it right over their face where everybody can see it. Good job for them. From RWW. 
Jim Baker begs viewers, don't let me have to file for bankruptcy. Yeah, on his TV program, End Times Pastor Jim Baker begged viewers to send in donations by check so he can keep his ministry afloat and not have to declare bankruptcy. Baker is facing a dire financial crisis as a result of his network being unable to process credit cards ever since it found itself facing various legal problems for promoting the silver solution it sold as a possible cure for the COVID-19 coronavirus. They're already bleeding us to death, he says, and now we're going to have to pay lawyers that will bleed you to death. I know my critics are watching me right now and they're having a ball. They're having a ball and they're saying, wow, we've whipped Jim Baker. I'll tell you what, you all may want my head on a platter and you may get it, but I'll be gone to heaven and you're not going to win. Well, you know, I've never heard the guy ever mention Jesus in a proper context in my life, but uh, if you're sending money to Jim Baker's ministry, you need to get your theology straight. From uh, Ynet today, let's see here. This is a Facebook post from Ynet on their wall, on Ynet's wall on Facebook. They say, heartwarming. Jewish leaders, Christians, Muslims, and Druze in one common prayer against the corona. And I posted there a little longer. I just shortened my comments. There's nothing heartwarming about this. By praying together, it acknowledges by the one praying that they believe that the prayers of the others are all acceptable to God. It's illogical, it is contradictory, and it is blasphemous to the truth of God as he is revealed. If a Christian prays with somebody, interdenominational prayers are fine, okay? Interfaith prayers are not fine. We cannot do that and say that we are following Jesus Christ properly because we are, when we pray with other faiths, we are condoning their worship of their supposed God. You cannot do that. The Bible does not allow that. And if you want a perfect picture of that, Go back and watch the uh, sermon that I did from Exodus where they're building the tabernacle and we got to the altar of incense, the uh, holy anointing oil and the incense that is used in the tabernacle. And you will see the picture that God was trying to tell you exactly in that because incense pictures what? Anybody? Prayers. Prayers. It pictures prayers in the Bible. That's all the way through. The Psalms say that, Revelation says it, etc. And God made, was very specific about his, his incense that he was to have provided to him as a picture of the believer's prayers to God. It's the only thing that ever went through the veil in, into the Holy of Holies throughout the year, except the high priest once a year and never without blood. But every day, twice a day, they would burn that incense and it would come to God, picturing our prayers going to God through the veil. And what is the veil in the book of Hebrews? It's explicit. It is the body of Jesus Christ. Okay, there you go with that. Go watch that sermon. You'll learn a little theology and you'll find out why this is not heartwarming. From MSNBC, Pelosi, Pastor Pelosi, the gospel compels us to let federal prisoners out because of the virus. There you go. Yeah, she's your pastor, isn't she? All right, Gateway Pundit, California governor to allow child care and schools to open in weeks, not months, but he says he will keep churches closed longer. Sounds like a lawsuit coming to me. From Islam today, Abbas threatens to rip up accords with Israel and the United States if annexation plans proceed. So we've got the EU siding with them and France siding with them, and uh, they're against Israel. But here we go. President uh, Abbas threatened to cancel all agreements with Israel and the United States if the Jewish state moves forward with plans to annex parts of the West Bank. The warning made during a video address marked Abbas's first public response to the unity government inked by Netanyahu and Gantz, which will allow Netanyahu to begin advancing annexation measures starting on 1 July 2020. 
Abbas said that he would regard agreements with Israel and the United States as absolutely null. That would be good if Israel moves forward with the move as promised by Netanyahu. We are on the lookout for anyone who might contemplate tampering with our right to a free and independent state on our territory with East Jerusalem as its capital in line with international legitimacy resolutions. Abbas has threatened to cancel agreements with Israel on numerous occasions in the past, some of which we've mentioned, but he has never followed through. Okay, I've said this 10 million times, I'll say it once again, is that Israel's the only country in the history of the universe that wins land in a battle and is told they can't possess that land. That is the standard of warfare. When you are attacked in a battle and you gain land through that battle, it becomes yours. Okay, so there you go with that. Jewish news. Mrs. Garrett, how are you today? So good to see you. We love our mother. Okay, Jewish news. Internal government memo shows United Kingdom dropping support for the Palestinian Authority. An explosive internal memo released through a FOI request has shown that the British government's stated support for the Palestinian Authority and Palestinian state building has been quietly dropped in the past year. I never would have thought this would have happened in a million years, but with Boris Johnson in there and maybe a more conservative government, we're seeing this happen. Track changes on an internal FCO memo show that the government no longer says that the United Kingdom is a strong supporter of the Palestinian Authority's state-building efforts. It also reveals that the government has dropped its claim that the Palestinian Authority has made important progress on state building and no longer claims that the Palestinian Authority has the capability to run an effective, inclusive, accountable state, which they never have, they never could, and they never will, but I'm glad somebody realized that. The final deleted sentences state that the United Kingdom is a leading donor to the Palestinian Authority and a strong supporter of its state-building efforts, and that was scratched out. From the Gateway Pundit, for the first time in history of Minnesota, Muslim call to prayer will be blasted over outdoor speakers five times a day through the month of Ramadan. Okay, and this is going on. It started, as you know, uh, Ramadan started last week, so this has been going on. I'm sure all of the liberals in Minnesota love it, and the rest of the people are absolutely beside themselves. But socialism, Sharia law, and Islam are creeping in while we are distracted with the authoritarian coronavirus lockdown orders. For the first time in the history of Minnesota, the Muslim call to prayer was broadcast over an outdoor speaker placed over the rooftop of Dar al-Hijra Mosque in Cedar Riverside neighborhood. The Adhan will be broadcast five times a day throughout the month of Ramadan. This is a historic moment tonight for us to be celebrating the first call to prayer, Adhan, in a major city in the United States. Kair, the unindicted co-conspirator of the largest terrorist funding case in United States history, worked in partnership between the city of Minneapolis and the Dar al-Hijra Mosque to make sure the Muslim call to prayer was blasted over a loudspeaker so people in the neighborhood can hear it during the coronavirus lockdown. So there you go with that sad mark in our nation's history. I lived in Malaysia for three years, almost to the day, and I had one of those right outside my window, just down the road, and you'd hear it five times a day. There you go. Yes. The same thing happened in the state of Michigan. Michigan. Uh, It started with Ramadan, and now it's daily. Oh, I believe it. In Dearborn. Dearborn. the, The Polish community, I'm blocking on the name. There's two communities in the city of Detroit. Yep. The great yep. city that have it 
Every single day. It's it's almost a crime to hear that, but that's the way of the world. Okay, from the uh, Western Journal, after threatening to close churches for good, New York City will give 400,000 meals to Muslims for Ramadan. This is already in the, yeah, it's already happening, but this is came just out before Ramadan started. Failed Democratic presidential candidate, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, says his administration will provide free meals to Muslims celebrating Ramadan. The annual Islamic Unholy Month, I said that, will run until May 23rd, and those celebrating in New York City will be presented with 400,000 halal meals, de Blasio announced. It seems like a kind gesture during a time when New York is the nation's largest COVID-19 hotspot, but it also sharply contrasts with de Blasio's treatment of the city's Jews and Christians amid the coronavirus crisis. Last month, the mayor threatened to permanently shutter churches and synagogues just weeks ahead of Easter and Passover. Now de Blasio is literally catering to his city's Muslims while the mayor and city officials were unprepared for the city's health crisis and have shown Christians and Jews no sympathy during the related shutdowns. They're now apparently sponsoring Islam. So there you go with that. And from the religion of peace, the Ramadan bombathon for this week, we went up from, uh, I think it was one attack and 14 killed last week. We now have 36 attacks and 143 killed. We'll continue to monitor that throughout the month of Ramadan. Sound like the virus. The, that is the virus. It's just a different form of virus. Mongolia, Aki Press says, now listen, this, this is Mongolia. Mongolia to send meat worth $1 million to Russia to help combat COVID-19. You got to be hurting pretty bad for Mongolia to be sponsoring you instead of the other way around. But here we go. Mongolian Parliament Speaker Gombajov Zandan Shatar said, our country's National Security Council has decided to send meat and meat products worth $1 million U.S. to Russia's Irkutsk region and the Republic of Buryatia. We hope that the non-refundable aid will help prevent and combat the spread of COVID-19. How sending meat will... Uh, Sure. Yeah, I don't know, but whatever. The Russian ambassador expressed his deep gratitude to the Mongolian side and said that he would immediately inform the authorities of the two Russian regions. So there you go. Mongolia helping out the world. What's a non-refundable? It means they just get to keep it. They don't have to pay it back. They don't need nothing. Yeah. Okay. Daniel 12 technology. This is a really long article, but it's really cool. Zero hedge. Skynet is near. Skynet from, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Terminator, right? Okay. Google scientists create artificial intelligence that evolves on its own. One of the biggest global players in AI is Google and their high-tech brain division has been pushing the envelope for years. Now, scientists working for their AutoML project have a new paper in which they claim to be developing algorithms that can evolve on their own without human input. Even more stunning is their claim that they can induce mutations into new generations of algorithms which mimic principles of Darwinian evolution, namely survival of the fittest. The team started with one of the most basic ideas in modern AI, machine learning. Machine learning tools allow us to use algorithms to search through massive troves of data and quickly identify patterns, but the traditional problem with this method is the element of human bias. As the team paper states, human designed components bias the search results in favor of human designed algorithms, possibly reducing the innovation potential of AutoML. Innovation is also limited by having fewer options. You cannot discover what you cannot search for. 
To bypass this problem, the team wanted to develop a system by which AI can grow on its own. Sounds like a good idea to me. The team used simple math equations to develop machine learning algorithms that author 100 candidate algorithms. These candidates compete using basic machine learning tools like neural network, image differentiation tests, and the best performing algorithms then mutated or evolved via random code alteration. The system can call through tens of thousands of algorithms each second in search of a solution while dismissing evolutionary dead ends and duplicates. Over multiple generations, the process grows a library of high-performance algorithms. According to the Google team, these new algorithms have already reproduced decades' worth of human-led AI discovery in only days. Perhaps most astonishingly, the new AI algorithmic evolution is able to eliminate the problem of human bias that is often introduced during data input. The AutoML Zero can essentially automatically discover unknown algorithms and develop new, previously undiscovered AI programs without any human intervention using only basic mathematical concepts. Haran Jackson, the chief technology officer at Techspert, explains why the new paper is so interesting. As exciting as AutoML is, it is restricted to finding top-performing algorithms out of the admittedly large assortment of algorithms that we already know of. There is a sense amongst many members of the community that the most impressive feats of AI will only be achieved with the invention of new algorithms that are fundamentally different to those that we as a species have so far devised. This is what makes the aforementioned paper so interesting. It presents a method by which we can automatically construct and test completely novel machine learning algorithms. As noted before, the scientists say the AI programs can improve upon each previous generation, producing a kind of survival of the fittest that resembles Darwin's view of evolution in natural biological systems. While much testing and review still await the Google team, their new paper, titled Evolving Machine Learning Algorithms from Scratch, suggests the tantalizing, albeit unnerving, likelihood that AI of the future will be designed by other AI machines. One can only impishly guess at what self-replicating AI algorithms evolving on their own will mean for the future of life on Earth. What could go wrong there? That sounds like scary uh, news article number one, and I haven't heard anybody talking about it except that one article. Revelation plagues today. From the World Health Organization, this is from 2017. Sean, who comes on uh, Thursday night sometimes, if Sean watches this, congratulations, he just bought a house. Up to 650,000 people die of respiratory diseases linked to seasonal flu each year. Okay, that was from 2017, but we've seen that year after year. I've reported on that. At least 650,000 around the world. And up to 650,000 deaths annually are associated with the respiratory diseases from seasonal influenza, according to the estimates of the U.S. CDC, the World Health Organization, and Global Health Partners. And yet, COVID-19 is a 240,000 worldwide deaths with the whole world shut down. So there you go with that. Business Insider. Air conditioning. You think they're trying to scare you with this one? Air conditioning spread the coronavirus to nine people sitting near an infected person in a restaurant. Researchers say it has huge implications for the service industry. Now, how do they know that? They don't. You know, they have no idea. But this is the kind of thing they put out there to scare you. 
How did they know that Wang Chung just didn't finish dinner and he walks out and sneezes on the people coming in? They have no idea, but they make something like that up to get you scared so that when the lockdown is over, you won't go and have a good meal. Zero Hedge. CDC says poisonings from cleaners and disinfectants on sharp rise since pandemic hit U.S. The only reason why I'm including this is because they blamed it on Trump after he said that thing about a week and a half ago, okay, which I watched and he didn't say. He didn't say what they say he said. Anyway, according to, this is from 422, according to a new report from CDC, a dramatic increase in poisonings nationwide may be due to increased home remedy precautions involving disinfectants. The CDC also suggests this could be due to greater prolonged exposure to cleaning products used in higher concentrations to disinfect surfaces in homes, something you were talking about on Thursday. People are turning to bathing their entire grocery order in bleach solutions. Bring your stuff home and soak it in bleach. Now that is not smart. Crucially, the sharpest increase in poison control center calls came in early March. So they've been getting them since March and they've been increasing, right? Because we have something and people are freaking out because the news is pushing it on them. All right. Anyway, which corresponds precisely to when coronavirus cases began exploding in the United States and consuming headlines. Thus, Americans now risk negative health effects by extreme cleaning and health regimens around the home. Don't clean so much. You need that bacteria because that's how you build up immunities. When my neighbors, I moved back to America from overseas after nine years, four months, and 15 days in the United States Air Force, and I moved into the house I'm at now, and my neighbor, who's a very nice guy, had a house next door, and eventually he had some children, and he needed to build a bigger house. So the uh, house that he lived in, he wanted to extend, and being on Siesta Key, they wouldn't let him do it. He had to plow it over, and he had to build a big house. But when he did, he put in this thing called an air filtration system, and it comes on continuously all day long. Sucks out all of the good stuff that you're breathing out of the house, and I'm sure his kids probably have terrible health problems because of that. You got to have this stuff around you or you don't build up an immunity. Anyway, this is what's going on. It says the report said bleach containing products were behind the largest segment of poison control calls. Accidents involving hand sanitizers and children have also been on the rise. Inhalation of cleaning products also accounted for a major increase in exposure. Okay, I will tell you this. My friend Sergio, who's monitoring us right now from Nazareth, taking care of this place, one time was in his shower in Fort Lauderdale before they moved back, and he was cleaning with bleach and ammonia, and he started to pass out. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I didn't know that would cause any problem. They don't teach that anymore. When we were kids, that was number one taught, never mix these two chemicals. And so he called his friend, who's a doctor just north of us in Tampa, I think, and the doctor said, well, I didn't know that either, but at least I know how to treat for it. And I thought... They're not teaching people what to avoid. Instead, they're just teaching them how to take care of it after they get sick from it. But I told Sergio, please don't ever do that again. Don't mix anything, especially not bleach and ammonia. You talk about wiping yourself out quickly, that'll do it. Anyway, in one example, CDC reported a woman was taken to the emergency room after soaking her groceries in a sink full of mixture of 10% bleach solution, vinegar, and hot water. So she's not only mixing two things that she should and putting stuff in there that shouldn't be put in there, she's using hot water, so she's breathing all of that in. American households have turned to wiping down and disinfecting all groceries and items brought into the home from the outside, but it appears some of the more extreme measures like Heavy bleach use on groceries could potentially be as hazardous as exposure to coronavirus itself. There's no sense at all in our brains anymore. Doctor, yes. Charlie, again, Michigan. Everybody has to move to Michigan. And the reason is 
that in the month of April, uh, the, the good people up there who are Christians compared 2019 and 2020 in the month of April. And the heart disease was down 84% and breast cancer was down uh, 120%. Because they're out there breathing and living their normal well, lives. Coronavirus has cured it. Oh, coronavirus has cured it. Absolutely. Oh, you I see. Oh, boy. All right. Here we Everybody's go. dying from COVID-19. COV, well, the CDC today has revised its numbers. Do you know how many people it now says have died in the U.S. from coronavirus directly? Only 30,000. They've, they've reduced their number, and what they've done is they've broken it into other categories. And so, yeah, at least we know the truth now, because they've been saying it's this huge number lately. Anyway, Sweden has 2,653 deaths. This is as of yesterday, with 10.12 million population. This is a country that is not locked down one bit. Italy has 28,236 deaths with a 60 million population, and the UK has 27,510 deaths with a 66 million population, which means that Sweden is way ahead of the other countries that did lock down and they didn't lock down. Okay, if you take the numbers, we'll say 3,000 for Sweden. I'm elevating it a little bit. 3,000 times six is what? Three times six, anybody? 18,000. So they're way lower than Italy and UK that have six times the population of them. Way lower. Okay, there you go. Um, I'm going to give you a couple quick notes. I'm not going to have time to read the whole thing. My uh, friend sent this to me, Dave, from uh, Monroe, New York, yesterday. He gave me all kinds of numbers from around the world, Israel, Norway, Germany, what the uh, death per million is, etc. Sweden's death per million is 264. It's high, but it's about the middle of the average. Listen to this. New York uh, State, the death per million is 1,243, which is... Uh, that's uh, four times as much as Sweden. New York City has a death per million of 1,591. And then the county that this guy lives in, Port Dave, Monroe County, has a death per million of 2,062. They are not doing it very well up in New York. They need to let the people out, walk around, breathe some fresh air, and stop being threatened by Democrats, which is just as detrimental to your health as this disease. Anyway, I can't read the whole thing, but there's a good article from the... Uh, uh, the Daily Wire on Florida. If you want that, email me and I'll send it to you. But good stuff there. Thank you, Dave. Um, let's see here from Morality Today. Fox News. Kavanaugh cites Roe versus Wade in opinion explaining when to overturn erroneous precedents. He's talking about this. This is good news. Supreme Court Associate Justin Brett Kavanaugh did not author Monday's opinion that overturned a 1972 decision regarding unanimous jury verdicts, but in concurring opinion, he outlined how he believes the court should determine when it is appropriate to throw out erroneous precedents. In doing so, he invoked the abortion debate. Kavanaugh's concurrence opened by pointing out that it is far from rare for the court to overturn a long-standing precedent listing high-profile cases including the decision in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. That case is known for maintaining the right to an abortion, but Kavanaugh discussed in a footnote that it is also relevant because it overturned elements of Roe versus Wade. Okay, we have a Supreme Court justice that has just come out and basically inferred that Roe versus Wade needs to be overturned. I'm going to read you another one in just a second, but I want to tell you something before I go on because it's on my mind right now. My friend posted something this morning, which is absolutely true. And I talk about this all the time. Vote, vote Republican and vote often. Okay. And people will say, God doesn't have a party. That is true. 
I don't disagree with that, but the devil does. The devil has a party in this nation, and we need to make absolutely sure that we exercise our vote, because if we don't, we are not going to get more Supreme Court justices into the Supreme Court, because half of them are old, 90% of them are, you know, over what, uh, 70 years old, I think, and two of them are ready to punch their tickets anytime. I mean, one of them may have already done it, and they're just wheeling her around on a dolly. But anyway, the point is that these people need to be replaced with Republicans and people that will support the life debate. That needs to happen. So there we go with that. Another article from the Christian headlines. Roe versus Wade was an incorrect decision, Clarence Thomas says in a new opinion. And he's old, too. He's not a young guy. So we need to have him replaced with a conservative as well. Please vote. Okay, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh sided with the majority in a decision requiring unanimous verdicts in state criminal cases. But it was his citation of Roe versus Wade that left a few court observers wondering what he meant. Meanwhile, Justin Claris Thomas didn't mince words in criticizing Roe. The justices in a 6-3 decision overturned a 1972 case in ruling that the Sixth Amendment requires unanimous verdicts. The case involved a Louisiana man who was convicted of a murder on a 10-2 verdict. Much of the discussion among the justices focused on the legal doctrine of stare decisis, a Latin term meaning to stand by things decided. In essence, it's the doctrine of precedent and is often discussed when the Supreme Court overturns a past case. The doctrine of stare decisis does not mean, of course, that the court should never overrule erroneous precedents. Kavanaugh wrote in a concurring opinion, All justices now on this court agree that it is sometimes appropriate for the court to overrule erroneous decisions. Indeed, in just the last few terms, every current member of this court has voted to overrule multiple constitutional precedents. Justice Clarice Thomas, who joined the majority opinion, was blunter in criticizing Roe. Thomas is a longtime opponent of Roe and voted with the minority in Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey. He would have overturned Roe in that 92 case. Thomas wrote a concurring opinion and listed three incorrect decisions. He said, used a faulty interpretation of the 14th Amendment. Those were Obergefell versus Hodges, which legalized same-sex marriage nationwide, Roe versus Wade, which allows abortion on demand for everybody in the universe, and Dred Scott versus Sanford, which held that slaves were property under the Fifth Amendment. That's where he stands, and we would hope that he would be alive to see this overturned. All right. The Guardian. Dutch court approves. Now think of this. Dutch court approves euthanasia in cases of advanced dementia. Ruling means that doctors cannot be prosecuted even if the patient no longer says they want to die. In other words, just get rid of them. Get rid of them. Even if they didn't want to die before they lost their minds and that was their last thought before their mind finally slipped, you can now get rid of them. NBC, New York's good news here, folks. New York City LGBTQ LMNOP Pride March canceled for first time in half a century. Good. A year after Blockbuster Pride 50 celebrations filled New York City with millions of revelers, the streets of Manhattan will be quiet during the last weekend of June. Some good news from COVID-19. Our other category, Zero Hedge. Millions of now unemployed Americans are making more money than they did when working. 
More than 26 million Americans have filed new claims for unemployment benefits in recent weeks, and a lot of them will now be bringing home much more money than they did while they were actually working. Needless to say, this is going to create a perverse incentive for people to stay unemployed for as long as possible. Many low-paid workers are going to want to ride this gravy train all the way to the end. And as you will see, this is already causing big problems for businesses all across America. Well, the Democrats pushed extremely hard to get a provision into the CARES Act that would give unemployed workers an additional $600 a week on top of any normal unemployment benefits. This means that for the next several months, unemployed workers all over America will be bringing home at least the equivalent of $15 an hour based on a 40-hour work week. And some Republican members of Congress were very concerned about this. Some Republican lawmakers warned about this unintended consequence of the relief bill when it was being drafted, noting that $600 a week amounts to $15 an hour, more than twice the federal minimum wage. That's in addition to state unemployment's benefits, which vary widely from a maximum of $235 a week in Mississippi to $795 per week in Massachusetts. Despite those concerns, the CARES Act easily sailed through both chambers of Congress, and we are now stuck with it. From Fox, Wisconsin saw no coronavirus infection spike after April 7th election. I brought that up last week and they were trying to push that. They saw no spike at all. A feared spike in Wisconsin's coronavirus infection rate following its April 7th in-person presidential primary never materialized. Good precedent for November, folks. Okay, let's see here. Although some new cases of the virus were possibly linked to the election, a team of doctors from Wisconsin and Florida, plus a mathematician in Alabama, examined data from the post-election period of April 12th through 21, meaning 5 to 14 days after the election, when new cases of the virus from April 7th likely would have become apparent. Prior to the election, Wisconsin's coronavirus infection rate was about one-third of the rate for the entire United States and dropped even lower compared to the U.S. after the election. So that means we should get out and vote often because if we do, we'll be healthier. From Reuters, in four U.S. state prisons, nearly 3,300 inmates test positive for coronavirus, 96% without symptoms. They started with the Marion Correctional Institution, which houses 2,500 prisoners in north central Ohio, many of them older and with pre-existing health conditions. After testing 2,300 inmates for the coronavirus, they were shocked. Of the 2028 who tested positive, close to 95% had no symptoms at all. As mass coronavirus testing expands in prisons, large numbers of inmates are showing no symptoms. In four state prison systems, Arkansas, North Carolina, Ohio, and Virginia, 96% of 3,277 inmates who tested positive for the coronavirus were asymptomatic. That's out of 4,693 tests that included results on symptoms. The numbers are the latest evidence to suggest that people who are asymptomatic, contagious but not physically sick, may be driving the spread of the virus. The figures also reinforce questions over whether testing of just people suspected of being infected is actually capturing the spread of the virus. It adds to the understanding that we have a severe undercount of cases in the United States. The case count is likely much higher than we currently know because of the lack of testing and surveillance. Exactly what those two doctors said last week, and they banned their video. There's a huge number of people that have this. They're not getting sick, and that means the total death numbers are way, way, way low. Anyway, from the Telegraph, coronavirus could kill cash in months 
not years, expert warns. There are now months, not years, to rescue the United Kingdom's creaking cash infrastructure, the chief of an influential review has warned. After new research revealed coronavirus could change spending habits for good, Link, the biggest operator of free-to-use ATMs in the United Kingdom, has previously warned it would struggle to maintain its network for longer than two years without intervention from the government. There you go, pushing the cashless agenda, getting people scared to carry their dollars around, and the plastic has just as much disease on it as the cash does. Whatever. From The Economist, China aims to launch the world's first official digital currency. Little by little, the central bank will acquire more power to track how money is used. Zero Hedge, Trump asks why American taxpayers should bail out poorly run Democrat states. Good job. Mail Online, man is arrested for attempted rape days after being released from Rikers Island because of coronavirus fears. I've read at least 15 of those this week. I'm not going to read any more of them, but you know that that's happening. Should have kept them in jail. They would have been fine. They would have breathed in the coronavirus, not gotten sick, and that would have been the end of it. But now we've got people all over the states. They're being robbed, they're being raped, and they're being murdered by people that have been let out because of Democrats. Comment, Vote Republican. A comment on that. 100% of the people released from Rikers Island committed crime. 100% of them released from Rikers Island committed crime. So there you go with that. This is not something that should be happening, but this is the way that Democrats work. From the Wall Street Journal, millions of credit card customers can't pay their bills. Lenders are bracing for impact. From Fox, former Clinton advisor, I wonder why they do this, calls on Biden to withdraw over assault allegations. Zero Hedge, Detroit Democrats cast out fellow lawmaker who had audacity to credit Trump for HQV COVID cure. She went up there and she talked with the president and said that this uh, saved my life and I appreciate it. And they kicked her out of the Democrat Party. <laughs> From Superior Word News Service. This is the Superior Word News Service. Sarah said the beaches are open. The coconuts are coconutting. We hope you can come and visit at your earliest convenience. Please come to Florida. We'll love to have you here. From the Epic Times, here it is, Florida to reopen next week. That means tomorrow, in one day, with restrictions, CCP virus hotspots are excluded. Okay, we are opening and we're going to stay open. We've had enough of this in this state. Okay, I will now read you what the ACEP and AAEM their joint statement on physician misinformation, the video that everybody watched until it was taken down. The American College of Emergency Physicians and the AAEM jointly and emphatically condemn the recent opinions released by Dr. Daniel Erickson and Dr. Artin Massey. These reckless and untested musings do not speak for medical societies and are inconsistent with current science and epidemiology regarding COVID-19. As Owners of local urgent care clinics, they say they're profiting off of this. It appears these two individuals are releasing biased, non-peer-reviewed data to advance their personal financial interests without regard for the public's health. How can they benefit from that? It's these people that are benefiting it by having us scared to death and buying their products. COVID-19 misinformation is widespread and dangerous. Members of ACEP and AAEM are firsthand witnesses to the human toll that COVID-19 is taking on our communities. ACEP and AAEM strongly advise against using any statements of these doctors as a basis for policy and decision making. Absolutely crazy. They're trying to harm these two doctors because they came out and they said what needed to be said. This is not worse than the flu by a long shot. Okay, I got a lesser care for you. Let's see if you can figure out what he's talking about. People say our economy sucks. 
all the while raking in giant bucks. You do not have to work and still call Trump a jerk. Dems, the way that it goes, that's the crux. There you go. People that can go home and make $15 an hour and not go back to work. All right, got two ironies for you, and then we'll be done. This is not COVID related. It's just ironic. Mail online, terrified woman 50 wakes up in a body bag at Paraguay funeral home after doctors mistakenly declared her dead. Yes, that's ironic. And then from MSN, what is it that Hawaii is known for? How do they make their money? What? Tourism. Tourism. MSN, Hawaii to visitors. We will pay you to leave. There you go. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.